Hello friends, so excited to tell you about the new Trade Show University YouTube channel where we have five minute pro tips, we've got longer training episodes, we've got expert interviews, and so much more coming up. Many of these video versions of the podcast episodes that you've enjoyed, plus there's videos there of content that is not available on our podcast, so please go to YouTube, search for Trade Show University, hit subscribe, and binge on those videos, which, which I have designed to help businesses get more leads, more sales, and more profits through the power of trade shows. So go find Trade Show University on YouTube and tell a friend. Hey everybody, welcome back to Trade Show University, the number one podcast for helping you better results from your trade shows, whether you're a planner, an organizer, or exhibitor. I'm Jim Sturbeck, your host. Excited to have you back here on campus with us because we're going to be learning more stuff today, and that's what the university is all about, making a difference and making more money. And today we're going to be focusing on making a difference as I have on an amazing guest. My guest today is Joanna Behrens, who has decades of experience in the hospitality and event industry, and now she is the president of the Sustainable Events Network of Florida and Caribbean, and she's going to be telling us all about how to host sustainable events, a phenomenal topic. You're going to learn so much. Get your notebook ready. But before we dive into that, I've got a quick tip I want to share with you. This is this is a tip that can be used either at in-person or virtual events or even hybrid events, and that is to remind you that you are responsible for following up. When you're meeting an attendee, you have that great conversation, you are the person responsible for following up. Be sure to capture their contact information, make sure you set the tone, and then set that follow-up. Do not leave it in the hands of the attendee to follow up with you. So many times they say, oh, I'll give you a call, I'll give you a call. Guess what? They won't. <laughs> Most times, they will not. You are responsible for following up. Make sure you take that control. And that is Tip number 18 of the 52 tips that are among my favorites, and I want to give it to you free of charge. All you have to do is go to tradeshowu.biz. That's tradeshow, the letter U dot B-I-Z. Right there on my homepage, just drop your email address, sign up for the newsletter, and you will automatically get access to the top 52 trade show tips. My gift to you for being a subscriber. So let's not waste any more time and let's talk to Joanna Barons about sustainability. Welcome back, everyone. Really, really pleased to have on today someone who's going to be talking about an important, important topic, and not just for the events industry, but for the world. And that is Joanna Behrens. Her hospitality and event career spans more than 30 years working in the D.C., New York, and Miami markets. After 13 years with Starwood Hotels, Joanna opened her own third-party site selection and logistics company, Joanna Behrens Hospitality, Inc. Her passion for food and waste began in 2016 when she tried to donate leftover food from a conference which led her to become Zero Food Waste Chair and now the president of the Sustainable Events Network, Florida and Caribbean. Joanna, welcome. Thank you for joining me here on Trade Show University. Say hello to, to all the uh, pro event professionals out there. Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for having me today. 
So we are going to be talking today really about sustainability in the event planning, in our shows, in our conferences. But let's start. Uh, let's start with about the organization you're with. W- tell us a little bit about SENFC, which is the uh, acronym for Sustainable Events Network Florida and Caribbean. Tell us a little bit about that and what your mission is. Okay, this organization was born over a decade ago by uh, some real enthusiasts for sustainability. Our founding president was Stephen Pollack. At the time, it was part of Green Meetings Industry Council. We renamed ourselves a couple of years ago, and we are enthusiasts with a mission of uh, ensuring that practices and sustainability occur within the events industry throughout Florida and the Caribbean. That's just fantastic. So, when you got involved, you already had your hospitality business, correct? Oh, yes. I have been in the industry for more decades than I want to admit on this interview. <laughs> but <laughs> let's just say I'm a veteran of the industry on every aspect of it, as, as my bio said, coming both from the operations side, the hotel side, logistics, and now site selection. And most of our members are veterans as well. And we're also looking to really engage that next generation who's much more uh, passionate. I don't want to say more passionate for whom it is more of an automatic understanding that sustainability is a necessity in our industry. There's so much waste in every aspect of it. I mean, I started within the movement because of my passion for food waste. And of course it has spread uh, into passion for cutting back on waste in so many other areas within our industry. So how long have you been involved with them? Um, I joined when I became chief food, uh, zero food waste enthusiast back in 2016. That's when we launched our first case study at the National Association of Catering uh, and Events professionals at the uh, Diplomat Resort back in July of 2016. We reached out to them and said, could we stage a food rescue for your final banquet? And we did, and we treated it as a case study and used it as an opportunity to document it through a video, which is featured, I might add, on the World Wildlife Fund's hotelkitchen.org website, an outstanding website for uh, aiming at reducing food waste within the hotel and hospitality industry. Little plug there for us and for them. It's been a great partner over the years. Fantastic. We'll have to drop the link to that in the show notes as well. So you mentioned food rescues. Tell tell us all, what is a food rescue? And give us some uh, some information about zero food waste as well. Okay. Well, food rescue or food recovery are terms that are interchangeable. Um, Essentially, it's a plan made in advance. And I, I need to emphasize this to those of us that are event managers and planners. Best not to do this on the fly doesn't mean that you can't if you're caught off guard with extra food. But ideally, it's a contingency plan just like a weather backup plan is for an outdoor event, you wanna have a plan in place. And that, that could be as simple as 
gee, if we have leftovers, we have an affiliation with a local charity or soup kitchen. Our chef and culinary and banquets team is in on this. We've got some suitable volunteers that might be able to cart the food over, or we've got the ability to get transportation involved because the charity that we partner with can make that happen. And we're ready. We've got aluminum pans, we've got uh, the lids, We've got labels so that the food doesn't get confused with chef's food for the next day, because we all know in large operations that food might be refrigerated and get mixed up with uh, other foods. You don't want to have that confusion. But in the event there are leftovers, it's nice to uh, make sure that food is deployed to those who need it. Uh, just a few, I don't want to use the term fun facts, but just important facts to note. In any community in the United States, one in six to one in eight are food insecure. We have enough food to feed everyone. I always say we have a logistics problem. We have a, mm. we need to make the plan to not waste the food. And you asked about zero food waste. My passion for spreading the word about food rescue and food recovery, which incidentally, I wanna make sure I refer everyone to our organization's website, www.senfc.org features um, a couple of very helpful links. Our, our two page, food rescue plan, which is very detailed for those who are looking for a lot of specifics, as well as a very nice, easy one, two, three step created by one of our key board members, um, giving people the real nuts and bolts of how to plan a food rescue. We also touch on that ever pervasive objection, liability concerns. <laughs> uh, the, the, <laughs> so the true though. Emerson yeah, yeah. The Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Act is actually about to celebrate its 25th anniversary in existence. And um, it, I'm not a lawyer, I, but I will just say it protects the donor who follows the proper food handling procedures, has culinary team with professional food handler uh, in place overseeing what is donatable and what isn't. And it protects the donor from any liability with respect to somebody potentially falling ill. And I'm, I'm pleased to report my last understanding is nobody's ever been sued for donating food that somebody got sick from. So the important thing is to overcome these objections and obstacles and just plow through and, and make it happen. Wow, a lot of great resources that you have available to everybody uh, over at your website. So we'll make sure, again, to drop the link to so that people can go there easily, look around, see what, what resources are available, what expert resources for your event, for your, your company, your shows, all the conferences, everything that you're, you're putting on. Make sure that you're thinking about this and get the right resources, get the right uh, feedback and expert information. So, Joanna, thank you so much. Uh, that's just fantastic. Thanks for sharing some of that with, with us. And I, it reminds me of a time, I remember back when I was a teenager, this a long, long time ago, <laughs> and uh, I worked at a grocery store. Back when grocery stores were closed on Sundays, and I remember it was the end of the day on a Saturday, and they closed at like 6 p.m., and we were going to the deli, and they had some pre, pre-made sandwiches that were just made that day, and we had to walk them over to the compactor and throw them in 
and we and I said, well, can't we take these and donate them somewhere? And nope, can't do it, can't do it. And I was like, wow, that just what a waste! What a waste! <laughs> it seems like there's pe- people. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad that there's uh, these initiatives going on. That uh, and I'm sure we've all been to huge events where we look at the buffet lines and we look at all the all the the box lunches and there's so many left over and they're like, wow! You just hope that they're going to a good place. So I'm glad that you're making these resources available to people to let them know. And that liability, okay, you are you are protected. You will uh, you will be okay to to do the right thing. Absolutely. And if I could add to it, because you did bring up uh, with respect to food waste, uh, the real goal of our of zero food waste is source reduction. That's what we call it at the front end. Let's not waste the food in the first place. And I I really like to impress upon those that are in the event planning side of things, the ones who are actually giving the guarantees to the venue, to the caterer, to drill down and peel that onion as much as possible and consider your guarantees before you just by rote say, well, we have 100 attendees, we'll guarantee food for 100. Because remember, the venue has to provide the food for those 100 attendees because you gave the guarantee. If you as an event manager have kept history on your attendees' behavior patterns, maybe you notice, uh, gee, most of our attendees sail down for that last cup of coffee and go right into the general session and they're not really eating the breakfast that we guaranteed 104, or people dash at lunch to go back to their rooms to make calls, or if it's a local luncheon following a morning meeting, many of them are leaving the lunch to go straight back to the office. So um, it's our job as event professionals, and I emphasize professional, to really do the due diligence and make sure we're guaranteeing appropriately. That's where the the zero food waste component comes in. Let's not waste it on the front end. But in that inevitable uh, scenario where there's always going to be the no-shows, the flight that got canceled because of the snowstorm, for the welcome reception, and you lost 100 attendees, that's where you want to have the plan in place for food rescue or food recovery. Another factoid that really jars people if they haven't heard this already, we waste 35 to 40% of the food that is produced in this country. 35 to 40%. It's staggering. And, you know, I, I, as difficult as the last 18 months have been with COVID, uh, what it has done is shed a spotlight a little bit more on the food insecurity and the food gap that exists within our, within our nation. And, you know, our industry, the hospitality industry was one of the hardest hit industries as a result of COVID. And so we all began to see that um, it runs across the strata and we don't want to waste the food. There's too many people who need it. And it's, it's simple enough fix, at least in my opinion. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love it just your tips about planning in advance for both the food on the front end and the food on the back end so that you, you are planning for that zero waste or a food recovery so that when you're, you're making those guarantees. So think about that. You know, how many people are actually going to be there? If you have an opening, you have 100 attendees coming, but you know they're not all going to be right there at the beginning. 
So scale back, scale back your your guarantees, but plan so that if you do have leftover, where's that food going to go? Such great advice. Thank you so much. And and what an eye-opening statistic. Food waste, 35 to 40%. Never would have guessed it would have been that high. That's just, uh, that's staggering. And like you said, it's a logistics issue, right? <laughs> it's a logistics it is. issue. It is. I'd like to add one last thing, because I know there's a lot of planners out there, especially in the wake of COVID. Maybe we've rescheduled the same meeting three times. And I mean, I've got clients in that same boat. And we are going to be held to or are being held to food and beverage minimums. There's a and perhaps your attendance isn't what you had contracted back for the 2020 meeting that isn't happening until 2022. Another suggestion I make is you you certainly don't want to short the hotel or venue commitment. And let's say you're going to have 100 instead of 200, then take that extra food and beverage spend that you are obligated to and do your part and do right by the venue, but consider turning it into prepared food that just directly gets donated to a local agency, soup kitchen, uh, shelter, et cetera. And you can turn it into trays of lasagna, comfort food, mac and cheese. And usually the chefs are so into this, I can't tell you. Once you sit around the table and everybody's on the same page, they want to do it. And they're, then you're meeting your food and beverage spend. You're not disappointing the venue. You're doing good for your local community. So there's the CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility component. And everybody's happy. So that's another way to uh, kind of come together and make it work. So many great ideas, just win, win, win <laughs> all the way around, which is just fantastic. Yes. Tell us a little bit about from a more of a, a global uh, standpoint, the, the UN and what they're doing in their sustainable developmental goals. Well, that is actually a personal uh, mission of mine as, as I've just started be, uh, in my presidency. I, I was zero food waste chair for Five years, I can continue with that. But as president, I want to see us and our board agrees really become, begin to grasp the 17 sustainable development goals that have been set by the United Nations with achievement target of, I believe the year is 2030. Um, and there are a number of goals that speak to our industry. Now, this is meant, this is a global worldwide initiative, and we all need to sign on for this. Uh, we need to understand them better. We need to speak about them with the same uh, familiarity that we speak about so many other goals and missions in society, and we need to start to walk the talk. First, we got to talk it. We got to understand it. We've got to draw the connection, connect the dots to our industry, and then we need to start the action steps that will allow us to achieve these goals and do our part as an industry to contribute to the bigger picture. And, you know, this is not to throw shade or whatever the term my son's probably correcting me is <laughs> not to throw shade at the U.S., but we are behind the eight ball guys. You know, there are other countries that have been doing this 
for a lot longer. They are so far ahead of the game. We have a lot to catch up on. We can, if we're willing to just, uh, I like to use the term, go for the low hanging fruit. Um, I emphasize it can be overwhelming. Many of us are feeling the impacts. We see what's going on with climate change in our backyards with all of the storms, the wildfires, the uh, flooding, et cetera, and it becomes overwhelming. But the real key is to identify one or two areas and particularly that low hanging fruit. The easiest thing where you can tweak it as an event planner, you can ask your attendees to make that shift in behavior. And as you start to gain momentum in one area, it just fuels the passion and the desire to make changes in other areas. Within the area of event food rescue, it can be the opening reception, the closing gala. Within the area of the broader sustainability, it, within events, it can be, let's just get rid of plastic water bottles and mandate that everybody bring their own reusable water bottle and we will have water stations. One simple change, look at the impact you can have at a trade show of thousands of people. And the trade show exhibitors are just looking for that sponsorship opportunity. We all see the beautiful cups, uh, reusable thermal cups that are available. What a great place to put your logo. I mean, that's just one obvious idea. Cut back on the printed materials. Start using those meeting apps, which are more dynamic and allow for last minute changes. And in this COVID, post-COVID event planning world, change is, can be counted on. It's certain, correct? Oh, yes. So, you, you are so on point with, with all of that. It's so many great things to get, there, get our wheels spinning and what we can do. You know, we're not helpless. We're not. And, yeah. and, don't, and no one ever should ever think, well, I'm just one person and this is just one little event. Everything matters. Everything is is a difference maker. So thank you for sharing. This. Oh my gosh, so many great ideas. So many great ideas. So as we as we wrap up our conversation today, give the listeners your top one or two takeaways that, that you really want them to get from today's conversation. I think most definitely what I just said. We it is incumbent upon all of us to do our part to embrace these seventeen sustainable development goals that the United Nations has set forth for all of us to participate in and make it real and purposeful for our daily lives and our professional lives. And then at the same time, don't be overwhelmed by it. Pick one or two things, commit to it, make that change within your event operations or your trade show operations. You will see the impact it has tenfold and it will fuel the passion and the desire to add more things the next go round. And something else I wanna add, involve everyone in the problem solving. Take this, make it collaborative because we are not just, maybe we're the key point person for event operations, but you've got people who work on every aspect of the operations. We're seeing waste from a different perspective and they could have a terrific idea or suggestion that is really, really important, crucial, critical, and will make a huge impact. So make it collaborative and you'll have everybody much more engaged. Outstanding, outstanding stuff. 
Everyone, please make sure you get over to their website at senfc.org, and we'll drop the link into the show notes. Check out all the free resources and start making a difference. Start taking those steps to make a difference in your in your events. And Joanna, tell us how, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, again, our website has a uh, interest interested in being contacted, fill in the blank form. So by all means, uh, just go to, to senfc.org. And I'm uh, on LinkedIn, and I invite anyone to reach out through Messenger uh, on LinkedIn at Joanna Behrens, B-E-R-E-N-S. So I think those are the best ways to reach out to me, and uh, as well as our organization outstanding joanna thank you thank you for sharing so much great value today and thanks for making a difference by what you do every single day and hopefully you have inspired a whole a whole new group of listeners that are they're willing to step up and see what they could do to also make a change so thanks again joanna for joining me thank you appreciate it and everyone continue to make a difference. What can you do to make a difference in your events and on this world and continue to come back here for more, more awesome interviews, expert advice, and continue to get better every single day here at Trade Show University. How amazing was that interview? I hope you got some great ideas on making your events sustainable. And if you want other tips, don't forget Go to tradeshowu.biz, tradeshowletteru.biz. Drop your email there, and I'm going to send you my top 52 trade show tips. Get over to tradeshowu.biz.